homily for the seventh Sunday in Ordinary Time, February 24th, 2019, St. Mary's Church, Grand Forks. A British author from the last century named G.K. Chesterton is known for many memorable spiritual quotes from his writings. Here's one of my favorites. The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. What Jesus sets before us and expects of us is challenging, dare I say even heroic. Let's start with a closer look at the behavior of David in today's first reading, and why he found himself in such danger. For three or four centuries, starting with the leadership of Moses, the nation of Israel did not have a king. Think about that. God was their one true king. People like Joshua and the group of people known as judges exercised a certain form of leadership, albeit limited in scope. Their purview included things like resolving criminal cases and conducting military campaigns. Time and again, neighboring foes had defeated and oppressed the Israelites. An increasing chorus rose up to heaven. If we had a king like the other nations did, our prospects would be better. The prophet Samuel tried to mediate the situation and convince the people not to make this choice. However, God spoke to Samuel and asked him to grant their request, since ultimately the Israelites were not rejecting Samuel, but the Lord. So God directed Samuel to anoint a man from the tribe of Benjamin named Saul to be Israel's first king. Saul was physically imposing and a renowned soldier, but eventually Saul's pride got in the way of being a servant leader as God would have him do. Also, it became apparent that he was emotionally unstable and suffered from a form of mental illness. Through his spokesman Samuel, God informed Saul that his kingship was revoked and that another would take his place. What follows is the story many of us know of Samuel's pilgrimage to Bethlehem and his anointing of David, the youngest son of Jesse, as the next king. But there was a problem. Saul did not want to relinquish the crown. There was the strange circumstance of Saul and David working side by side to repel attacks from foreign armies, David having mustered forces loyal to him, and Saul retaining a number of the soldiers who had served with him from the beginning. And during times of relative peace, Saul chased after David in order to kill him, as though one of Israel's enemies. Can you imagine how much confusion this caused among the poor people, both civilians and troops? That brings us to today's first reading. David and his assistant Abishai went scouting and snuck up on Saul and his men as they were fast asleep. Abishai's first thought was to slay Saul then and there and be done with the aggravation. Notice how quickly David shoots that idea down as if it were not the slightest bit tempting. David had never declared Saul to be an adversary. He was contentedly working in the family business when Saul, Samuel called him. He was insistent that, regardless of the evil Saul perpetrated, it was up to God alone to determine when and how Saul's life should end. That's why David told Saul's deputy Abner that, despite how easy it would have been, he refused to harm the Lord's anointed. 
Saul eventually died on the battlefield at the hands of the Philistines, and David took no glee in receiving the news. David's stance left most everyone baffled, but was profoundly merciful. The remainder of David's legacy would contain both tremendous highs and lows, but what we saw today set the tone for the level of justice and selflessness of which he was capable with the help of divine grace. Jesus' teachings in today's gospel are among his most demanding and may leave us feeling dejected. How can we possibly regard our enemies with charity and deal with them better than they deal with us? Another Old Testament example brings into focus for us just how revolutionary this lesson was. Many of you recall having heard the phrase, an eye for an eye. We think of this as a vengeful and cruel approach to life, but this statement comes from a part of the Law of Moses intended to temper individual passions. Lots of the Israelites sought to right wrongs done against them by going overboard. For example, that no good neighbor stole my donkey. I'll go get my donkey back and take ten of his donkeys. That'll show him to mess with me. The principle of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth mandated a proportionate form of justice and was seen as an advancement in moderating the culture. What Jesus said today was that restraining ourselves to simple payback was still going too far. We need to be honest about the kind of life to which Jesus calls us. Treating others the way we think they will treat us is not good enough. Sinners manage to love those who love them. We have to take the initiative and raise our conduct to an ever higher standard because of the level of compassion that God shows us. Jesus mentions no exceptions and provides no loopholes. As for his statement, stop judging and you will not be judged, stop condemning and you will not be condemned, Jesus is not asking us to claim that evil things are good. Instead, we are to have the humility to place ourselves in the Father's safekeeping, recognizing that we stand in need of divine help like anybody else. We use prudence and discretion every single day. We make judgments about what to do and not do. Otherwise, we'd soon be dead. But we are to ask the Holy Spirit to give us the eyes to see what is real and true. The late Archbishop Fulton Sheen once said, Right is right, even if everyone thinks it is wrong. Wrong is wrong, even if everyone calls it right. The question before us is simple. What difference will Christ's message make in us? Are we prepared to take him at his word? St. Catherine of Siena once said, Christian, be who you are, and you will set the world on fire. That's the story of the church. Over the course of so many years and in so many far-flung places, what causes you or me to limit what God can do in our lives? Too many Catholics just plain don't believe what Jesus has said. Are any of us telling ourselves right now, it sounds good, but I don't buy it? Are we planning for this message to go in one ear and out the other? Heaven help us if we are. 
Since I began by referring to G.K. Chesterton, I'd like to close with another of his gems of wisdom. The Bible tells us to love our neighbors and also to love our enemies, probably because they are generally the same people. Amen.